Welcome to Sex Ed Rewind, reflections on how we learn about sex. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Caro Confort, and I'm so thrilled to introduce my guest this week, an old friend of mine, Gia Ciccolo. Gia is a social justice advocate, public health practitioner, and aspiring physician who's passionate about reproductive rights and sexual education. With a scholarship from the Posse Foundation, she holds a BA in biology and Spanish from Bucknell University and an MPH from Boston University. Through Masters International, she served in the Peace Corps in rural Guatemala, working on maternal and child health and women's empowerment. She currently works in research focusing on the health disparities in the emergency department patient population and is applying to medical school with a goal to create a safe space for patients to share their needs and to advocate for them to improve overall health outcomes. Gia, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thanks. That was beautiful. (laughs) How are you feeling today? I'm feeling all right. I'm so happy to finally see you after so long and huge fan of this podcast. So, so honored to be here. The podcast is a fan of you. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So we're going to dive right in. So as you know, since you're a loyal listener, which we love, we start (laughs) off the show, getting everybody at home kind of in the mind of a young Gia, of a cool teen Gia. So when you were in high school, let the people know what was your favorite band favorite fashion trend and favorite slang word. All right. So the audience knows I'm sitting in my high school bedroom. So (laughs) to really set the scene, really want to set that scene. Um, okay. Favorite band, Destiny's Child. Mm, A classic. Love them. Bootylicious. Yeah. They're a good, good time. And fashion trend. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like a huge fan of high-waisted, but in high school, I was all about those low rider jeans, you know? I'm like, so happy you said that because I've been waiting for that one to come. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, because I was a low rider as well. Okay, yes. <laughs> like you can't bend over low rider, right? But I did anyway. And my but buck was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't know what about me thought that that was, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. Well, I was right there with you, so. (laughs) Okay, next, a slang word. Then and now, wicked. Use it all the time. Yes, you do. Wicked. This checks out. (laughs) Now that I, now that I'm hearing it, I'm like, yeah, that is your favorite slang word. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, young Gia was listening to Destiny's Child, wearing her lowest ride jeans, (laughs) and everything was wicked, you know, then and now. So, share with us. Um, a little bit about the the school that you went to when you were young. Where was it located? Yep. So I live in Revere, Mass, about five minutes north of Boston. Uh, pronounced Revere, no R's. We've got our Boston accent. Mm-hmm. And uh, the high school is the public high school here. Um, pretty big. My my graduating class was five hundred. Really diverse, like lower SES area. Got a little bit of everything, and it's kind of why I love it here. Mm-hmm. And what decade? did you go to high school in 2000? So I graduated in 2010. All right, cool. Yeah. Right. Right. In the low rider sweet spot. We really hit it. (laughs) The good years. Okay. 
So now that we know where you were, what you're wearing and saying and what you were listening to, let's get right into the juicy bits. So in your high school, did you receive any type of sex education? Yeah. So my memory is pretty weak here. I do remember distinctly having education about reproductive health in middle school. And that was pretty thorough. It had nothing to do with like pleasure or actually like sex was mentioned, but the only sex that was mentioned was like penis and vagina sex. We didn't talk about anything outside of that and oral, nothing, just that. And we had diagrams of what a male reproductive system looked like and what a female reproductive system looked like. In high school, the requirement was only like half a semester. And if I remember correctly, it was like my gym teacher who also did it, who was a lovely woman, but. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you got puberty education. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like very body focused, more biology really than sex ed. Yep. There's a, a really distinct memory that I have. And Do like share, a please. a moment of mine. <laughs> I live for this. It's sometimes like my intro quote when people are like, tell me something funny that happened to you. This is it. <laughs> so I was like eighth grade. We're sitting in our class. Everybody's really awkward, very awkward. And it's the health teacher. And she has a picture of the reproductive system, you know, fallopian tubes, everything like this. And um, the popular boy was like, that looks like a trophy. And you know what I said? What this did you, like what my, did you hit him with? This is like my moment. I was like, a trophy you'll never win. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Wasn't that's that good. pretty good? I mean, come on. Like eighth grade. For an eighth grader, that's tough yeah. notch comedy. <laughs> Everybody was roaring. The teacher even was cracking up. I was like. She got oh, an A. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, no talk about. I didn't need the clitoris was not even, I didn't even think it was pointed out to anyone, to be honest, mm-hmm. more like puberty, just physically, where are the things and what are they kind of used for? I do have distinct memories of like seeing, you know, herpes and other things and just being horrified. Yeah. So it sounds like there might've been some fear-based tactics in there of like showing you some STIs in an effort to scare you away from mm-hmm. having sex, maybe. Yeah. 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 I do remember feeling like disgusted when I saw photos and being like, oh, will that happen to me? But I was a late bloomer as well. So, yeah, I think it's so interesting, too, that like even I fall into this pattern, like we say like, oh, it was more of a biology class. Like you're just learning body parts and like the clitoris is a body part, but Mm -hmm. like it's never part of that dialogue. So I'm so glad that you you named that, that you were like, we're talking about penis and vagina and like bodies, but like the clitoris, of course, was nowhere to be found. Right. Because it's, you know, it's huge, but it's still not. It's like, they just erase it, all of its parts. Like it's Mm -hmm. not this tiny little thing. Right. So gone. Also side note, I have a clitoris tattoo on my arm. No, you don't. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I love that. Anyway. Yeah, the clitoris is just never a part of the conversation. No, not at all. So so who's to know anything that. about it? <laughs> Figured that part on my own. So. Oh, gosh, no help from anybody. <laughs> okay, so not really much in high school. Maybe there was, you know, some, but it didn't really stick with you in any major way. So outside of school, where were you finding yourself getting information about sex? Porn. Mm-hmm. I watched mm-hmm. porn at a fairly young age um, and loved it. Honestly, still a big porn fan, love porn. Same. We love um, it. <clears throat> yes. 
And I feel good about what I learned there, to be honest. I feel like I was all over the place and kind of just looking at stuff and not, not necessarily trying to reenact it or anything, just kind of looking. Um, I remember I like kind of masturbated at a kind of a young age and like that I was just me touching myself and feeling things and being like, oh, that feels good. Let me keep doing that. Um, but I don't, I didn't talk to people about that. And in high school, senior year, I was, I still hadn't had sex or anything, but my friends had all had sex. And so I was just listening in a lot, <laughs> like asking a lot of questions, but mostly listening. Um, and I would be, but I will be honest, I would be in scenarios where we'd be drinking or actually I didn't drink in high school either. I, I afterwards, but like the summer after high school, I would be in a lot of parties where there was drinking and there was always sex too. And so I saw it together. And I formulated kind of a bit of a fear. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I don't, it, I got a little scared of seeing people like drinking and just having sex. And, and it was kind of all over the place. And that was kind of where I was. And then I went to Bucknell and I only saw that exacerbated. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. like, I stayed far from it. I didn't like lose my virginity until I was, I think I was a junior in college. Um, like I, I, did, I wasn't, I just, I was scared. And it wasn't STD. It was just kind of like, that looks like a big thing that's related to alcohol. And like, I don't know. I think the pregnancy thing was scary for me. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. I mean, if you're not yeah. taught anything else, but sex right. leads to pregnancy, of course yeah. it's going to frighten you. Yeah. I'm particularly interested in the connection that you sort of organically fuse between like drinking and sex and that being the only context in which you were exposed to like your friends engaging in sex and sexual activity and like not in your own mind being able to separate those two things and how when you're not given any information about sex and the right ways to do it, the healthy ways to do it, the safe ways to do it, all you're going to know is what you see. And if you just see drunk kids sleeping together at parties and you don't want any part of that because that's the only thing you know, of course you're going to wait. Why not? Yeah. You know, like there's no counter narrative to tell you that you could do it some other way or you could do it safely. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. I hadn't thought about this side of it. I come from a single parent home. I didn't grow up with my father. Don't have a father figure. And I, I have my own, you know, personal demons that I've dealt with with that. But I think a lot of it was just not seeing really respectful relationships and not knowing if I wanted to be naked and with someone. But at the same time, I didn't see sex as this like ultimate, like amazing thing that I needed to protect either. I just mm-hmm. didn't want to put myself in a situation and be vulnerable and like naked with someone that like I didn't know. That That's really what my mind was like. And I was so scared of having a baby. Like the first time I had sex, we used a condom. I don't even think the man ejaculated and I took plan B because I was frightened. <laughs> I thought I was going to have a baby the next day. Like it was like I, pulling you know, like out all college. the stops. <laughs> like, no. Like, and I, I actually was going abroad to Chile where, where, um, I thought about all this, where abortion was illegal. And so I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> oh my God. So you were really in it. I was, I was, I'm not ashamed of it. I think, no. I, yeah, I just, I, that's how I viewed it. And I think maybe I wasn't emotionally ready personally to have sex. So that was probably what just kept me from going. And then once I started, I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> great. This is good. Yeah. Um, And I learned through partners. I have to admit, I had some wonderful partners 
um, who maybe weren't like amazing in other ways, but in the bedroom were like incredibly liberating and allowed me to like find pleasurable things that I like and, and really made it an experience. And I think, yeah, I would say most of my learning was through partners and kind of listening to friends. Um, and I opened up throughout years. Yeah. I closed myself off initially. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear now that you are able to kind of say, I was actually really scared of being naked and vulnerable in front of someone else. Do you remember at the time, were you able to name that or you just kind of knew that it was like, not for you, but you couldn't put your finger on why? You know, I don't know. I, I actually had a pretty good body image growing up. I didn't, I did, I wasn't like ashamed of what I looked like or anything like that. And I was fortunate um, in that respect. I really think I had an irrational view of it. And I think that had there been education there that was like, this is what sex looks like. And these are the protections and you, you need to ejaculate to get pregnant. Like, right. Like those, these yeah. little things that were not obvious to me. Right. I just would get so scared. And like, I remember thinking, oh, well, will the, like, if he comes, like, will I know? And like, will I know? That's why I took the plan B. Cause I was like, what if he came and he lied to me? And I don't know. That could have been very easily cleared up in a classroom. It could have, you know, it, it just never came up in my education. And there I was in college thinking about these things and like, yeah, I'd seen porn and stuff, but like, you don't, no one's stopping. It'd be great if someone stopped in the middle of the porn and it's like, and here is one. The ejaculation <laughs> occurs now. <laughs> Get ready, folks. Great. Q-in. This is a great idea. <laughs> like a little red flag goes up. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I could have named it then. I think, um. I had friends who were in relationships, but they weren't talking about specifically what was going on. And I wasn't asking specific questions. And I had friends who were just having sex casually and were comfortable with that. And that scared me because of like, they could be pregnant or I would hear the sex and be like, well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember being at a party and hearing and being like, I don't What's like going the way on in sounds. there. <laughs> Should we send someone in? Uh, yeah, this probably, I don't know. I wonder if this is like shocking you compared to like how I am now. <laughs> it's I think not, I really nothing can shock more. me now. I tell you, <laughs> we've all come some come from some, some places with sex ed, so. Yeah, and I will say, I think at home, never had a sex talk. My mother's a registered nurse, never spoke to me about sex. Spoke mm-hmm. to me about puberty, my period, that was comfortable. I was very comfortable talking about tampons and bleeding and never ashamed there but like sex was not we didn't even when I had a boyfriend and it was clear I was sexually active and like staying over his house like birth control easy if I wanted to get birth control no like there was no judgment it just never was brought up Mm -hmm. what I think is particularly poignant about the way that you just described that was when you didn't know how to know if a man came that's a biology thing so like we could have learned that in a sex ed classroom like what is an orgasm how to recognize that whatever and there's also there was a lack of social and emotional awareness there like you were not taught to communicate with your partner about orgasm so it kind of comes from both sides right like we lacked the the biological information to understand what was happening and we lacked the emotional you know intelligence to communicate about it because you weren't taught either of those things nope. so it just goes to show that like sex ed isn't penis and vagina it is biology but it is also using language to have conversations about our bodies to put ourselves and our partners at ease yes 
I, I truly think it would have been wonderful if someone were like, so you might be emotionally connected to this behavior and you may not. And either way is fine, right? That, that would have been, whoo, I would open my eyes big time. It would have saved me some real work later on, right? And then either way is fine. And I'll communicating that with the person that you're engaging with or, you know, maybe explore your own body. I was never really told to do that. I, I did it on my own and I'm happy I did, but understanding the feelings and and knowing, I, I truly believe like if you can give yourself pleasure, then, then you're going to be so much happier in the bedroom with someone else because you can help guide, right? Because it's not, not everyone's going to know what you like. And so helping guide them to that and then allowing them to maybe guide you. And, and it's a process of exchange in some ways and like listening to one another. And I think I learned that with like my first boyfriend, he was very, like he really really wanted me to enjoy the experience and really helped me orgasm and be like, wow, this is what this can be. Like I had no idea. Yes. I think also what is really important about that is we create healthy partners through sex ed. So it's like, thank God you had a partner who was really invested in your pleasure and who cared that you enjoyed the experience, but like how many teenagers, particularly young women or AFAB folks don't have partners like that. And so they just assume that all of the bullshit stereotypes and narratives are true because that's what that one partner is telling them. Right. So like if we could give the sex ed that young people need and deserve, we would be creating partners for young people to engage with in a way that was healthy. Like, yes, like I think about you, you know, like you would have had the information you needed, but you would have also had a partner who had the information that they needed. So you're doubling your chances of having a safe and healthy and enjoyable sexual experience. Yep. Totally hear that. So much could have been done there. And I was lucky and I had experience prior to experiences, physical experiences prior to that, where I did not enjoy them. And I, I stopped them. I, I was like, Oh, I'm not having fun. Like let's stop. And I think back and I didn't even know that's, that's kind of why I want to bring it back just for a second, because I, I wasn't taught to be ashamed of sex or anything. I just don't think I was ready to have it. And when I was, I wasn't impressed at first. So I was like, I don't really want to do this. And I, I remember just stopping the guy and he was like, I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. This will end <laughs> was, now. Thank you so much for your time. He was, yeah, he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, I got to go home. <laughs> this is, this is not for me. And, you know, so like, that was a moment of empowerment of like, knowing that it, I didn't want it. And, and that's another thing. I wasn't necessarily taught that, but it would have been nice if someone was like, if any point you're not enjoying yourself, you just stop. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that, if some of that comes from the very open dialogue you had with your mom about your body. Cause I know you mentioned you guys didn't speak about sex, but you were able to talk about puberty and your period and you did have access to birth control if you need it. So I wonder if maybe some of that empowerment in your own pleasure and investment in yourself maybe came from your mom teaching you to become, you know, the, the master of your own body. Yeah, I hear that. And I think, I think for sure, I think, um, her background, she wasn't explicitly taught anything and there was probably generational issues of of discussing that, but I think that was her way of being like, be true to yourself and what you want and making sure I had everything I needed, but wasn't going to explicitly say like, tell me about the sex. Like that, that, even to this day, we don't talk about the sex. Um, but I hear you. I think, I think, yes, I think I, 
I knew that I was only going to do things that I wanted to do and when I wanted to do them. And that was probably came from her. And, and I didn't struggle with the IUD when I wanted it. And there was no issue there. Took me right to get it. Not a problem. Yeah. I feel like that shows through and like knowing what I know about you and your relationship with your mom, I feel like it checks out. Yeah. (laughs) That's super interesting. So we got friends a little bit. We talked about home. We talked a little bit about school. Other than those, is there anything that jumps out to you as a source of sex ed that maybe we haven't touched on yet? I did listen to a Red Table Talk and they were talking about consent. It was beautiful. It was uh, Bruce Willis's daughter was on that. And um, they were talking about growing up and I, I really identify with this, like growing up with just women or just my mother, I wasn't taught what certain things might come off to, to a man. I didn't know that I might lead someone on by doing something or something that I'm doing might come off as sexual when it's like, it's, it wasn't sexual in my home or like, I didn't have men in my house really ever. So I wasn't used to like that ideal. And I would catch myself through my life earlier on, like getting attention that I didn't, I didn't mean to get, or I would do something and I'm not thinking of something specific, but maybe clothing or or stuff like that, that I just like, didn't, it didn't occur to me Mm -hmm. that it could be sexualized my upbringing didn't prepare me for uh, the other side of that, like what that certain things might look like. And I encountered that more in college where I was like, oh, you thought that me coming here meant that, oh, Mm -hmm. I should go home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. And actually a perspective that I haven't hadn't thought about the ways that you act, you do kind of pick those up from the nuances in your life. And a big part of your life as a young person is what happens in your own home. So Mm -hmm. I can, I can totally see why not having that there would make you somewhat unaware of it outside of your home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more like a, my upbringing. I didn't even know the, like maybe the male, like what his, just his and his thought process was. Cause I had never had a conversation with a guy on that level Maybe I didn't have a father to, to tell me th- maybe that that could be a possibility. And my mom and I didn't have those conversations. So like, I didn't, I don't know. I, I am not vocalizing it as well as I want to, to be I honest. catch your drift. I, I catch your drift. Yeah. I just feel like it is something that can be, I don't know how well it could be taught in school, but I think it could be taught. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's social cues, right. And it, it is emotional intelligence, like being able to read signals correctly and yeah. understand when some, when you have uh, received a signal that might have been incorrect or is not what the person intended to send, you know, and like understanding how to say, Oh, I thought that was yes, but it's a no. Okay. We'll go from there right. instead of, right you know, oh my God, it's a no, like I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm going to blame you. Right. Like there is a way to teach one social cues like that. And two, just taking no, like taking no as a full sentence, taking no as an answer, as, as not a personal affront to you as just the way that that person is feeling that can definitely be taught. And it's definitely not taught. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Heard. Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Um, I would love to move into a conversation about intersecting identities so we can learn a little bit more about Gia in all of your glory. So can you share with us, what are your intersecting identities? Yeah. So I would say cisgender woman, bisexual, 
a strong identity of mine really is, and it's come up already, is being a, an only child to a single mom. There's a very strong bond there. Coming from like a working class background. Um, and I strongly identify with being bilingual as well. <laughs> so did you feel like those identities, some of them, all of them, none of them, did you see yourself reflected in the sex education that you received? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, as a white woman, I feel like I, I definitely grew up seeing people who looked like me and the limited education I saw was given by someone who I could potentially kind of identify with aside from maybe age. Um, but as far as bisexuality, no, I don't think I opened up my mind to that idea for a very long time and then had kind of an emotional connection with the woman where I was like, oh, this is more, this is more than a friend to me. And that was later on in life. That was never mentioned in my education. It was never brought up. Um, homosexuality was never brought up, not in a, like in a classroom was never brought up negatively or positively or like at all. Just erased. So just never, yeah, doesn't, doesn't not acknowledged. And I, yeah, that's saying that I, I definitely didn't see, and I can see how, had it been brought up then I probably would have been like, Oh, I, I might be interested in that. And, Oh, I could see a woman as a potential partner. I, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious too, one of the identities that you hold proudly is being the daughter of a single mother. Did that show up in sex ed? Like what a family is supposed to look like, you know, those really stringent ideas that we sometimes get in this culture about family. Was there any tension there or, or what was that like for you? Yeah, I'm so happy you asked that because um, you think sex ed and you, you, I can be close-minded about what that means. And I would say not in high school, growing up, absolutely, constantly ask the question, who is your dad or what does he do? Or even in by teachers and Father's Day, like, I don't have a dad, right? Like just things, all these assumptions that were being made in the 90s that I, I, I would hope are not being made now. Um, but yeah, no, I, as a child, as a younger child, I did feel confused about why, um, I mean, I would ask my mother, like, wh why, why don't, why do, why do we just live us two <laughs> and things like that. And also given where I'm from, I'm very happy that I'm from a racially, ethnically very diverse area, as well as mostly lower SES. So most people are kind of dealing with some things and my, my identity with the working class is strong in that, like. I understand that you just need to make the money, right? We're not, like, I remember going from, it's a bit off topic, but going from Revere High to, to Bucknell and seeing all the brand names and being so oblivious to what any of them were because that was not important in my school. Like, nobody cared. Nobody cared what you wore. If you looked cute, it could have been $2 and you look cute. Like, it, that was not a thing. Mm -hmm. And um, same with families and things like that. Like, people spoke different languages. We all looked different. Like, there wasn't. So I think that took some pressure off in a good way. Yeah. And just uh, for our listeners that don't know, socioeconomic status is SES. Just to clarify. I think, you know, the community that you were raised in, like if you weren't the only one that was from a single parent household, you're going to be more likely to see it normalized outside of school. Like community is a huge way that we learn about ourselves and our sexuality and our families. And so one of the benefits of growing up in a community that is diverse is that you see people from all walks of life with all different kinds of families. And I think that really helps people to normalize their experience when of course they're not the only one. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's important to note that you should have been taught as a young person that families look lots of different ways. And that's sex education for young people. You know, like when we're talking about toddlers and kindergartners for a second, third grade, talking about what families look like. This person has two daddies. This person has one mommy, you know, introducing that. And without that narrative, anybody that comes from a family that isn't mom, dad, kids is going to feel ostracized. So sex ed definitely could have helped in that situation. Yeah. No, I totally hear that. Okay. Awesome. So let us move beyond high school a little bit now, bring it forward to today. What's happened since then a lot. (laughs) So we'll start off. I'd love to know how you think your sex education journey has impacted your relationship to sex today. I think that it's required me to learn a lot on my own. Um, and I still consider myself still like learning and experimenting on what I like and what I want. I will say the idea of consent has recently struck me in my personal life because I had never, ever been asked, do you want to have sex? Mm. I've never been asked, can I kiss you? And I have never asked either. So it all up to this point was cues and Sometimes they were read wrong, as we'd mentioned, and I don't believe you can always, like, you can read wrong. And so vocalizing your thoughts is really important. And I'm learning because I had recently had been asked and I kind of took a second and was like, wow, uh, yes, 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 yes. But wow, let me take this moment in because I had never, how have I not been asked yet? And why haven't I been asking? And so it really made me think a lot about that into your question. Why wasn't I told to be asking? And why wasn't I told? And why weren't these other people I was engaging with told? And I think it's a beautiful step. (laughs) And there will be lots more in my life of me asking. Yeah, I think it's an important one. It's so simple. I just, I don't understand why. I really harp on the why hasn't the communication piece been taught? Why wasn't I taught that young? Why did I have to go through these very difficult times of just not understanding and guessing what people think instead of just being like, hey, do you want something casual? Can we have sex? Can I kiss you? (laughs) Yeah. Simple. And going back to what we were talking about, like consent is something you teach toddlers. Like ask before you hug another person. If someone says, no, stop touching me, you respect that. So it's so funny I mean, it's not funny, but it's so representative of where we are in our sex ed journey as a country when you have grown adults having realizations about consent. And we've all been there. I mean, if anything, I'm so glad you had it in your mid twenties. Like there are people who are 80 that never had that realization, you know? So yeah, it's later than it should have been, but it's still judging by what we're all up against. It's still, yeah early in some senses. And it's just, it's such a key part of healthy sexual interactions and the absence of it is felt so deeply. Absolutely. I was, like I said, taken aback. And then I was like, thank you for asking. (laughs) And then you also get the very strong affirmation from that, right? If someone really wants it, they're going to be like, please. And if they don't, you're going to know. 
Yeah. And we were talking before we started recording about ghosting. And I know that goes right into the communication piece. And it's to go off the last podcast too, since I'm such a loyal listener. <laughs> we love to hear it. Yeah. Just being able to have conversations in the beginning of meeting people, kind of what your thoughts are and what you're open to, right? Because I, in my own life, have thought, okay, I don't want anything um, or I do want something. And then I meet a person and I am or I'm not interested in, right? And I have been the culprit in some situations of not voicing what my desires are and not saying, not kind of paving the, fa- the path for the other person, right? And, and keeping each other in the clear. And I'm, I'm getting very tired of, um, I am, I'm communicating that now and it's not being communicated back to me mm-hmm. and I, I'm not for it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really interesting too, because we often think of the impact that bad sex education or no sex education has on us, like as our, as our, our person, as our being. And then when you have those aha moments, you're like, well, everybody else sucks at this too. And now I'm good at it and I have to deal with everything else. (laughs) And it's so real. And it's like, Yes, we can all work to curate the people in our life that are emotionally literate, that practice enthusiastic consent, that treat other people like human beings. But like, we still have to go out into the world in all kinds of ways and interact with people that also got really bad sex ed. And like, once you have that realization, you can't unknow it. And you're just like, oh, you got to slog through now. (laughs) I also think it's if the person is open to those ideas, it's going to take them a second probably, but they're probably going to fall right into the right path if you give them the option to, right? Or if you open up the conversation that, that kind of needs to be had, like, wh- what are we doing here? What do we both want to do today, tonight? What is our, what's our goal? Yeah. The whole thing needs to be collaborative. It should be a conversation. It shouldn't be one-sided. Like it needs to be a dialogue between two or more people. And like that doesn't happen a lot of the time. No. Oh, everybody needs better sex ed is the moral of that story. Yeah. But I feel like you're, you're going to solve this problem. You are. Yeah. That's a lot of responsibility. You're thrusting. (laughs) I'm cheering you on. I'm here for you. I'm I'm on the bandwagon with you. (laughs) Well, you're here. So you are also helping me. That means you've been roped into this mess. Okay. So another, these wrap up questions are always so like big, but I think they're really important ones. So next question, is there anything that you wish you could unlearn from your sex education journey? Yes. I think that the tidbit I brought up about the STDs, I didn't um, harp on enough. I think that that I have had my run in with STDs and my immediate go-to was to blame myself. I was disgusted with myself. I told no one, I kept it in, I, I destroyed myself mm. over something that I had no control over. It, it just, it, and it's I not think, a big deal. It's not a big deal. We got the medications we've got. That's what we're all here for. And the judgment of yourself, it's just, it's, it's horrible. And so it's part of the reason why I want to do what I want to do with medicine, but I just, I don't there isn't room for that. And I think that that started with sex ed in my life. Cause I wasn't told at home, you know, if you get an STD, you're going to be gross. That wasn't, that wasn't taught to me at home. That was taught to me through photos and 
in school and then you like you you have something and you're like this looks nothing like the photo <laughs> or like this is not or I don't even see it it just I happen to have a test positive mm-hmm. thing and I didn't even know right so I think if I could have unlearned that it would have saved me some self just destruction I'm so glad you brought up STIs I was I've been waiting for someone to bring that one up oh. because there's so much shame around STIs it is wild wild, and all you need to do is head to the doc and and get on some meds a lot of the time and for the ones that are with you you know and are incurable they're manageable you manage it there is medicine in place it does not make you a bad person it does not make you unclean it simply is something that's going on with your body and there is no there is nothing in place right now that that is fighting against that shame of STIs. And it's like, a re- that's a really big issue. Right. And yes, I'm really happy you brought on the idea of the STIs that aren't curable, but there is medication for it. And, and also having conversations with your partners and, and just all these things that it's a part of life. And I think the saving grace for me was statistics. Get on, get on your little Google engine and look up some statistics because you're going to be blown. You're going to be blown away. Mm-hmm. And you will no longer be so surprised. Yeah, everyone's got them, man. Everyone's especially in this country. So less shame there would be would be beautiful. Would be huge. I think that's a huge one. And and you another thing that I've been waiting for someone to bring up. So I'm really glad you brought up. So the low rise genes and the STIs. I mean, listen, those are two really important topics. So like, I can't believe they haven't been brought up till now. I'm so happy I was here for that. (laughs) Me too, me too, me too. Okay, so this brings us to our last question, which is another big one. (laughs) But knowing what you know now, what do you wish that your sex education journey could have looked like? But here we go. I think, I think younger, I think like you mentioned, age appropriate it could have started with consenting as an, a child um, about different body parts but in high school I think having education also with everybody together not separating like what what are we here what are the lies here I bleed when I once a month this is what I do <laughs> you should know you should know everyone you should, should know. know right and uh going through all the anatomy together including the clitoris and what that looks like and you know what like the pleasure part of it, I think we didn't really touch on this, but I, I, why are we not talking about the positive side of sex? Why is it so scary? Why is it so gross? Why is it only to have children? Like, right, people do this with contraception. They do it for fun. For we're fun. Trying have, we're trying to have some fun over here. Okay, so Just trying to live. people live. <laughs> and if they want to have a baby as a result, beautiful. And if they don't, beautiful. Show them how. Yeah, yeah. show them how it's done. And like, I... I also, you know, didn't understand the whole anatomy of the clitoris until a couple of years ago, right? I, I didn't know it was all these different parts that could be stimulated, right? It's just, it's really mind-blowing and it really makes me think about my sexual encounters and be like, we both knew very little about my body, so we need to change that. <laughs> we all need a diagram. Yeah, yeah. I think um, focus on the pleasure. If you know that the, the teenagers are doing it, just show them how to use a condom tell them all about the contraception, give them access to it and just know that they're giving them the best shot. What they're going to do is what they're going to do. But if you give them the options and the information, they're more likely to make a good decision in my opinion. And the science proves that too. The science is behind you there. The research. Yes. 
Yes. Another, what I was thinking that I wanted to bring up, but we must've gotten sidetracked what you said earlier, just knowing that there was choice, like you could do this and you could do this. And both of those are okay because choice is so powerful. And one of my other guests on the show, Camera, was talking about how if only we had known that there were many pathways and they were all okay, mm-hmm. we we all would have gotten to where we needed to go sooner in a way that was healthier and more pleasurable. Yep. Totally heard. And I think also having the right teachers, energy and excitement about it changed the scene. Why not make it fun? You can laugh. I don't care. It was just fine. I think that's kind of how you have to go at sex ed. You have to be comfortable standing in front of a bunch of teenagers who could be very intimidating. And so I think we should be really thinking about the people who we put there, not just the gym teacher as a side side job does the sex ed. No, I think it should be somebody who's passionate, who's coming in like you, right? Who wants to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right, particularly about teenagers. I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to pick up what you put down. And yeah. if you go in there with the right attitude, taking them seriously, taking their questions seriously, creating an open environment, you're set, you're setting them up for success, period. If you're the freaking gym teacher who was not trained. Right. And who's uncomfortable. They're standing up there and they're sweating and they just want to teach PE. (laughs) They don't want to do this other thing they're being made to do. Mm -hmm. And then teenagers. I mean, I know myself as a teenager, if I sense some insecurity in you, you better know I'm going to bring it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, So I, uh, yeah, I feel for the people who've been pushed into those situations because I know they probably didn't. They just like took one for the team. Maybe I'm like, I'll teach. Yeah. Yeah. That matters. And I mean, just imagine sending the PE teacher to go in and teach a math class. Like no one would do that because that's not what they were trained to do. But Mm -hmm. because it's sex ed, we just were like, well, we need someone to do it and nobody wants to. So we're just going to throw you in there and hope for the best. Right. And I think there's some kind of assumption. It's like, it's sex ed. We all do this thing, but it's so taboo, but we all do it. So anybody can teach it wrong. (laughs) Very wrong. Yeah. So. I mean, the myth that anyone can teach is probably yeah. because, <laughs> all like, wrong. come on, it's just all <laughs> wrong. Uh, valid, valid. Okay. Well, I think this brings us to the end of our time together. Before we go, I want to give you the opportunity to let the people at home know where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, just my personal account. My work is research that's through Mass General. Gia Elena, so G I A E L A I N A. And I'm always open to talking about sex or anything. Um, So hit me up. (laughs) Amazing. And we will tag you on Instagram and your Instagram will be linked on the website so people can find you there as well. Awesome. Perfect. Okay, Gia, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a joy as always. And I hope to see your face very soon. Oh my God. I hope to see your face very soon. And thank you so much for having me having me here. I'm so excited to keep listening. You've had amazing people on so far. And so keep it going. You can find the show on Instagram at sex ed rewind or online on my website at caroconfort.me. I drop new episodes to podcast platforms every Monday. The cover art and website are by Kelsey Reifler and the podcast is produced and edited all by me.